0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Nightlife Project Podcast. I'm your host Camino and I'm here with my co-host Kai William. And today we've got a very special guest. His name is Will Clark. He's one of my favorite producers. Um, and I think a lot of the people listening to this podcast will, uh, will know who he is. But do you want to give us a brief intro of yourself, Will?
1: Wow, I didn't know I had to do an intro of myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of, I don't really know. It's kind of hard to talk about yourself, I find it hard, Um, but I write house and techno. Um, I run a record label called All We Have Is Now, which I actually haven't released anybody else's music apart from myself, so I guess it's technically just my record label so far. Um, Yeah, that's about it. I'm from the UK, live in Detroit, although back in the UK at this moment in time, Um, Mm -hmm. that's about it. Yeah. Nice, man.
2: Um, so, yeah, you do. It. So, for your record label, you said you primarily are, are sort of releasing yourself right now. Are you going to continue to just do that for yourself for the, the short time being and then long term is to sort of put other artists on there?
1: Um, yeah, so the plan for the record label was this 2020 or 2019 was to release just my own music. Uh, no. What year? 2020 was just to release my own music. Um, And the plan was for 2021 to have other artists on. Um, But the plan for the record label is I want to be able to just, like, sign maybe two or three other artists and then build a tour, bring them on tour with me. Um, And obviously we can't tour anymore, um, so I decided not to kind of sign anything. I don't want to make the record label, like, another house and techno record label where we're just releasing music for the sake of it um i want to just find one or two or maybe three at the most artists where i can really concentrate on putting everything into them um financially musically um and touring wise and kind of really help them grow it in t- into the industry um and give them something that i find is lacking from record labels nowadays
2: mm. yeah that's actually part of the reason why i started my own label uh, about a year ago just like you were saying it's like a lot of just everything's about the same now everyone's just putting out music to put it out and sort of the tactic i've taken over here is to sort of build a collective of guys who don't have any music out really even um and sort of building with them because I-, I think the best way to grow is, a- is as a collective so I I like that strategy you have in place, um. And have you sort of found those artists yet, or you're still still looking? I I I'll be honest. I'm not even looking.
1: Um, for me, it's just when the right person comes across, it will come across. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. kind of openly searching. I'm not asking for demos, although I get sent them a lot. It's just I find that when the right person comes along, the right it will happen. Um. And I think when I just, when I'm like, okay, I need to start releasing other people's music, I will actively go out looking. Um, Mm. But it's a strange time at this moment in time. And I think I'm just not in the right mindset to go. I'm not really listening to much house and techno um, because I'm not playing. And I don't really listen to much of that in my free time anymore. I used to a lot more um, before my career kind of took off, but. When you start playing it three four times a week at at clubs and stuff it's nice to have a bit of a break and then also when you're writing it like every day of your life i I kind of like to get a break from it so i've barely been looking i've not listened to promos for the last 10 months pretty much (laughs) so what what are you listening
0: to at the moment non-house and techno wise
1: I listen to like a lot of like electronica and like mm. down tempo stuff. Um, I re- I love like London grammar vibes, like really yeah, good vocals sick. and just stuff like that. But I, honestly, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of books, and um, watch a lot of YouTube at this moment in time.
0: Yeah, I've been nailing the YouTube day in day out. What kind? Of, what what's a what's a good book you wrote recently?
1: I don't. I hate reading. Listened. I re- really hate Listened reading. To... So listening, uh let me pull up my um let me pull up my iBooks. I'm in the process of um extreme ownership from Jocko Willink, which is really interesting. But then if you Extreme know. ownership. Yeah, it's really no. uh, I don't know if you know Jocko Willink, he's just this like badass ex Navy SEAL who's like Turned Mm -hmm. this like huge corporate business made a huge corporate business out of himself it's really it's really Hmm. interesting do you know the uh oh i
0: think he was on joe rogan yeah
1: he's on rogan quite a lot yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, i know this guy um do you know the the t-shirt brand the hundreds yeah no i don't it's a cool
0: company i dig it you definitely
1: you don't you'd recognize it if you saw it it's like a a a bomb with legs and and a face Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. His um, logo, like, but he's got a got the Bobby Hundreds that owns it he has got a uh, got a book called This Is Not a T-shirt, and that's a really good book. And then, yeah, their concept is really cool. Hundred yeah, hundred. it's it's like community based pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew McConaughey, Green Lights.
2: That's a oh nice, freaking great book. I love him, and he reads it, <laughs> and it's like. It's Oh, it's in his voice the whole time.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
2: Oh wow, that's great. <laughs> wait, wait, what's it called? What's it called? Green light. Green lights.
1: Yeah, this is it's it's lights. a must. You have to listen to it as well. You can't read it. Of course. Yeah, no, it this in this you got to listen to. Um, such a legend, that guy. What else have I liked? Indistractable. Um, I don't think I've actually read that. No, I haven't. Um I've just
0: been going in. You've been really going in, man. Yeah, know. I've just been watching Netflix and YouTube, and it is weird. It's weird to not be pl- to not be playing and to not have the the energy that you get after a show to create. It's like it's like a period of like constant sag- stagnation. Apart from Kai, who's been playing every bloody week. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, that's, it, the inspiration. Is it's the, I mean, I'll come home after like after doing these shows. I'll go right to producing, and just so much inspiration and ideas. So I understand where you guys are coming from on that factor. the thing is last year like i
1: produced so much music um i like went through spurts i always i'm always writing so i literally like as you came on i was writing something for like a different project i'm working on and i'm always writing stuff um i just i'm just not really focusing on serious to the floor, like club stuff. At this moment, mm. I've written it all. I did like, we had like seventy-five records to go through last year, to like for my like my me my team's A and R meeting. So it's like, I'm not not writing, but it's just now like taking a back backseat, and I'm working on some other projects. Really,
0: mm. mm-hmm. that's so awesome. So I've been I've been following your music for the last like six years, pretty much. Um and the first thing I heard from you was was Can You Funk which came out with that which is on that EP on Dirty Bird. Yeah. I was so sick. Bow now 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 now. And and um but yes, I've I've been listening to your music ever since then and it's been really interesting uh watching you develop your sound. Um so over the last 5 years you've gone from that to like straight up techno like your your release on Octopus a couple of years ago that was just straight up banging, you know, uh banging techno and you you've kept, you know, you've had some releases where you kept some of the dirty bird sort of vibe stuff and but still there's been like a, a lot of progression. Um and I was just wondering like how much of that was um was you adapting your sound to what's trending versus, you know, versus like an artistic decision because you know you felt that that was right. Um and yeah, how much how much do you think the need to stay modern and relevant like matters to you
1: in, in today's like musical sphere? It's a really good question. Um, I had somebody on my podcast the other day, and we spoke about this, and none of what I do is because it's popular and to try and keep popular. Um, And I'm literally just doing stuff because I I like it, really. Um, The Dirty Bird stuff, I absolutely loved when I did it. Absolutely loved it. And... I love the label. I love the crew. They're like my homies. And I wouldn't say a bad word about them, if you know what I mean. I just got to a point when writing music for Dotybird that I was just like, this isn't this isn't me now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's time to... Like, even in my DJ sets when I was playing a lot with but it would be more techno-based. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't class myself as a traditional techno artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't ever want to. I, I don't put myself I don't want to like be a traditional anything artist I just kind of do what what I want to do um, that instead like when it came to me kind of doing my own thing outside of Dirty Bird it, I was like okay I need to stop releasing on Dirty Bird because I want to I, I want to stand alone rather than just being a Dirty Bird artist there's no There's no real longevity in being under one umbrella for the rest, for one career. It kind of, new kids come up, better people come through and you kind of just go down the line. And I was seeing that myself, like newer people came through, more popular people came through. And I was just like, okay, now I've had a great run here. Um, My music's changing more and more my music's not fitting what the label's doing. I'm not playing anything that the label's putting out. Like, I even spoke to Bark about it, and, like, I, we just stopped sending music to each other because it was just, like, so far away from what we'd each play. Um, I sent him a new one. of. I sent him my new single this this week, and <laughs> I was like, I, I know he's never going to play this. I know he's never going to like it. But I sent it to him, and his response was like, yeah, this one's not for me, mate, but I still love you. <laughs> 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 and I was like, I was like, I know this isn't for you. I don't know why I sent it, but I kind of still sometimes feel obliged to kind of keep him in the loop because he's he's been such a big part of my career. Um, But for me, like the record label, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I, I launched like a video or well, leading up to the record label. I was like, okay, I need to... I was really lucky. I need I was I was spoke I changed my whole team. So I fired my old management in twenty eighteen. And then twenty nineteen I uh had a new team. Well it's Ryan, a guy called Ryan King. Um who's a fucking legend and completely changed my not he didn't change anything, he just allowed me to be who I wanna be and then go and help me to get to where I want to get to. Um, but leading up to that, that I was like, I really need to kind of be more in Europe and I need to be more on the European scene and be releasing on European record labels. Mm-hmm. And by me thinking that was when Adam Bay hit me up and asked me to remix your mind, like complete, like I saw him releasing, I saw him playing some of my records. And then DM'd him, and he was like, mate, I love what you do, and do you want to remix your mind? And that was when your mind was just, like, popping off. Yeah, huge, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that was amazing. And then I, like, DM'd and Peaker, because they're, like, my favourite artists. They're so good. Yeah, insane. Their new album's unbelievable <laughs> as well. Ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so good. And... Alex from Denser Peak was like, "Mate, I was literally just about to hit you up. Like, we, I'd love to do an EP on the, on the um, record label." And then <laughs> Alan Fitzpatrick it was the same. So I was like, kind of in a lucky situation that people, these people, were playing my records, um, and yeah, it just, I just kind of fit in nicely. And then doing a year of in twenty nineteen of releasing on European record labels and mm. kind of turning down shows that and to stop working with promoters that wanted to bill me as dirty bird and things like that Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it kind of took a it took us to the lead up of working on the record label which the record label was actually being planned from march 2019 it just took us probably about a year to execute it um after having all those releases in europe and then yeah i released a like a launch video of the record label, and it was kind of just me being true to myself on what I actually want to get across, and like what I want to write records that work really well on the dance floor, and are the part of the night where everyone wants to remember that record, and mm-hmm. take a video of that record. And that's not that. that's not saying I want to write hits. Obviously, we all want to write hits. Let's be honest. But it's writing records that give people amazing memories um, and doing that through melody and vocals. And I think that's kind of the motto of the record label, really. Um, it doesn't have to be house music. It doesn't have to be techno. It doesn't have to be anything as long as it's like very good.
2: It, yeah. Well, that's a really, really cool concept. I think everyone in this who makes music has that one moment in time like you're saying at a festival or at a show where you where you can remember a specific song they played like for me I think the biggest wow moment I ever had I saw bicep and they played atlas and it was just this moment it was like peak hour like and this that song comes out with the huge vocals and like everyone's just like wow this is amazing like that was that was my my moment where I was like wow this is really special what what would you say your moment like that is I'm sure you've had a couple, but
1: yeah, I think I I was never really a goer of festivals to to like dance music festivals. Mm -hmm. Um, It was never something I was playing at them before I kind of got the chance to go to them. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, when I was about twelve years old, my dad took me out of school to go and watch um, Faithless in Newport, which is in Wales. And when they played, like, Insomnia or God is a DJ, like, being, it gives me goosebumps thinking about it now. Like, it's just so, like, I I love their records. um, And they're a huge part of why I do this. But watching them live and you're just like this, they're they're controlling the crowd, literally, Mm. by not saying anything, just, playing their songs Um, and that's always stuck with me and I did a lot of touring with MK in 2017 and 2018 we were on the same management at the time and although Mark's music is very different to mine he
2: controls the crowd so well with his music I was at one of your guys shows actually um, that year I think it was at the 99 Scott in Brooklyn it was you guys, and I think and Camel Fat, yeah, that was great. Yeah, and he's
1: it's even madder in in the UK in Europe when he plays. It's
2: crazy. Yeah, I saw him at Printworks. It's... Is a whole place singing along to every single one of his songs. And that's
0: so do you, do you think part of that power or most of that power is due to the
1: fact that a lot of his tracks have vocals? I think so, um, but I think the sing along is one aspect that I think for me is like a huge part that I'd love to have, but I don't, I'm not trying to write like radio records. Um, but I think like what you were saying with Atlas, it's just that feeling. It's like capturing a mm-hmm. feeling that, you know, when you're in a club, this is going to be uh, insane. Um, it, at the end of the day, like why, why do w- why do I do this is I just want to make people happy in the club um, and washing the dishes and doing all of that um, and in their car. And I think my early productions didn't do that. They, they, they kind of, there was certain records I wrote that did well and that kind of portrayed that, but it was only specific time. Whereas I feel like when I'm trying to write a record now, I'm, I'm, trying to get that moment for the Mm. club so
0: you you have quite like a different story to most people of how you got into electronic music then because you say you started you didn't even really go to festivals were you going were you going clubbing at all or was
1: it not really um Mm. my first you get into it my first show was when i was 13 my first time i played in a club was when i was 13 wow Um, so (laughs) i was kind of like really lucky um to start so young and then my first time playing in Ibiza was when I was 16. Um, wow. And then I had a residency in Ibiza at 18. And till Man. I was like 20, eight, yeah, about three years, I think it did. till I was like 20, 21. Um, so Raven is like not fun for me because yeah. I, I get it. I love it. I get why people do it. But if somebody was like, Will, do you want to go to rave? I'm like, no, definitely don't want to. Go to the rave. <laughs> um, there's only a few DJs that I'd want to go and see, but I love, I like seeing live music. I'd much rather go to like, so like, I w- I went with my dad to festivals when I was younger. So we'd go like Glastonbury's, like 15 minutes away yeah. from my house. So we went to Glastonbury pretty much every year. Went to Reading and Leeds, or I went to redden Um. So we do that and go to like live, live music, but I wouldn't ever want to go raving. Um, yeah. And I guess a lot of my mates growing up in Bristol, we used to go to clubs occasionally, like when we were like 16, um, Mm -hmm. we'd, we'd all go to parties. But I think it was more so just to go out rather than
2: going to rave, if that makes sense. For sure. Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, I had a, I actually had a question for you. So I know you spend a lot of time in Detroit. I actually didn't even know you actually lived there. How did you get involved in, in heading to Detroit initially?
1: Um, So I I lived in L.A. for, like, my first – so when I, when I used to tour in America, like, in stints, I'd just live somewhere. So I'd rent a place, like, short-term. So I started in – I think it was 2015 um, in L.A., then did New York – Um, and then it got to the point where I was just touring so much in America. I needed like a full-time base, really and Do you know Jen Lyon? I do. I do know that name. Yes. Yeah, she's mean red. She owns mean red, which is like she probably one of the biggest promoters in in New York and also in Detroit Mm -hmm. um she she pretty much did all of Output's stuff when Output opened.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about now. Okay. Does a lot uh-huh. of stuff in, in in New York
1: anyway still. Um, and we were actually at uh, Claude Von Stroke's parents' house in Detroit for movement. And I was like, oh, I don't know where to live because I need somewhere to live full time. And it's like, I was just about to go home, uh, go back to the UK and then come back for another tour and get like a get like a full time place. And I was looking in, in Brooklyn and stuff. Uh, absolutely, New York's my favorite place pretty much in the world. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, I need a two bedroom place because I need a studio and I don't want to live in a shit hole.
2: Uh-huh.
1: and I want to live in a nice area. I want to live where there's, like, good transport, et cetera, et cetera. And I was, like, four and a half grand a month. Okay, but I don't really want to spend it because I'm never there. Mm-hmm. Um. So Jen was, like, I've just bought an apartment block in Detroit. You can have an apartment for, like, 500 bucks a month and check it out. And I was, like, I can't not try it, if you know what I mean. right. So I moved there for a month. Wasn't a fan of the apartment at all. It was hood as fuck. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to swear on here, but if we, you can so. say whatever you um, want. Oh, shit. Fuck. <laughs> it was super hood. Like, she'd just got the apartment block and she'd done this apartment up a bit hood, but like, there was like <laughs> crack dealers, there was pimps in there. It was like proper, like Detroit. Um, so then I got a place downtown which is Detroit downtown. I don't know if you guys have spent much time in Detroit. Never been. So This never is a been. few years ago now, and Detroit's kind of on the come up slowly, but Detroit downtown years ago, you would never walk there. You would just wouldn't go downtown at all unless you wanted to get shot. Um, and now <laughs> I, I moved into this like brand new apartment, really nice, but kind of overpriced for what you've got around there, like amenities wise. And then I was like, why didn't I just buy a place here? Because it's just property so, so cheap. So I ended up just buying a place. Um, I love Detroit. I have this, like, love-hate relationship. It kind of makes me mad um, because the city has just been left to, like, rot for years. Mm. And, the, like, poverty and the discrimination and the racism that goes on there is just unbelievable. However, there's just this insane community of people that that are really trying to build Detroit um so that's kind of how I got there and I've yeah I've had my place for three years now in fact it's like yeah it's just gone three years um so I've I've been in I've actually
2: been in Detroit for four years now that's interesting yeah I've never been to Detroit I've always wanted to check it out obviously there's like very deeply rooted origins of our type of music in, in Detroit um so that's something I've always wanted to to check out. I find it's it funny. fascinating. I find it fascinating. The guys at, at
1: how that that run movement, they do some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Jen at Mean Red, she does some really cool stuff. And there's some cool like smaller promotions coming on. I just got hit up the other day on Instagram by some dude that just bought like a venue. The thing about Detroit is that you can. It's kind of a bit like rogue. You can still get away with throwing illegal parties. You can still yeah. buy a warehouse and throw a party till whenever you want in the morning and just hope the cops don't turn up. Barely people, not many people live in these areas. So it's the one thing I like about Detroit, or well, it's not, I like a lot of things, but round America, it's very tight on laws and rules on what you can and can't do, which is understandable, mm. but I think it... I think by adding too much regulation it really like hinders growing of communities. Um, and Detroit's growing a cool, cool little community. The scene is still very far off what a lot of cities have. Um, but it is growing in a cool way and obviously it's got movement, which is like the best festival in America.
2: Yeah. Still yet to go there as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty, Pretty new into this whole scene in general, so I still a lot of places I need to go. Like, I think I've been in this about two, three years now only. So, there's a lot of places I need to to get into. Yeah, but it's been an awesome process, and there's really nothing, no other community like this out there, in my opinion, that's as collaborative as ours. We talked about this on our last episode too. Someone used to produce in like the hip hop community and stuff like that. We were just talking about how collaborative this industry is versus anything else I've ever ever worked in.
1: Yeah, I think I think mm. it's just. It's built on struggle, right? Mm. And most things built on struggle kind of brings people together and brings people, like, closer. Um, there's that amazing saying, um, hard times, build hard men, hard men build easy times, easy times build soft men. And it's mm. like that the, the being any type of creative, whether that's, you're a painter. Whether that's you're a producer, you're a chef, whatever. We we you have to work so hard to to make a living. You have to work for so long to make a living that by you you kind of understand the struggle for everyone. Um, and going back to Detroit, Detroit is just one city of struggle, really. Mm. Um, which is why I feel
0: it. In, I feel it in Berlin pretty heavily as yeah, well. I spent two years here, it's just, it's crazy. The thing is, the irony of all this is that, of course, as you said, you know, like Detroit is like the way it is right now because of the lack of regulations. You can throw these crazy parties, same in Berlin. But the problem is that as the community grows, so does the regulation. And what happens at the end of everything is gentrification. And it's happening in Berlin, it'll happen in Detroit. And so this genre of music, this this community of music that we're we're in, is is always destined to get fucked in the end because of the, as, as it gets popular. It's like a, it's,
1: it's bizarre, it's bizarre. I think that's kind of the beautiful side of it though, as well. Mm. Um, it's like, it happens in every walk of life. The crea- There's a shit area. The creatives go in, make it cool and hipster. And then the rich kids go in there and make it shit. And then, <laughs> and then the creative people move on and find somewhere cheaper and make it cool. And it just goes around in circles. Like, look at Williamsburg in Brooklyn. As much as I'd be a posh twat and I'd move there, because that's where I used to live, <laughs> I absolutely love it. But, like, it's more expensive than living in Manhattan.
2: It's, it's really bougie now, yeah. It's very clean, very modern, which is cool. It's cool. But
1: get me wrong, I love bougie. I'm I'm the first one to admit that I'm a little bit bougie, but g- go to Berlin, go to Detroit, it's gritty as fuck. Dude, just the area I'm living in right now is fucking. It's so crazy. Well, you're man.
2: literally living in your music studio.
0: Yeah, that's true. So there's a there's a music studio building to the right of me. They they used to have about 200 studios in there. And they were throwing parties during COVID, and they basically turned these studios into clubs. So it was like 50 clubs in a building, and I would—it was insane, man. It was—it 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 was demented. And and uh, at some point, the the police got so heavily involved. They talked to the fucking landlord. Landlords are all right, listen, all of you. If you don't stop, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna turn off the electricity. He turned off the electricity, and then because the guy is like a fucking mobster or something, uh, apparently he hired people to break into the studios and steal everything and nothing has been done about it nothing no one said nothing's gonna happen like this area is like it's barren there's nothing here there's like railroad tracks and warehouses and me
1: (laughs) i I love it to a certain extent i don't necessarily agree with it in in all aspects but it's that's what creates communities and creates amazing music and like you very rarely get some rich kid that hasn't struggled become successful in, in arts and i don't Femmes. like I, that's no disrespect to anyone that has wealth or anything like that um i i'm all for that but it's just if you haven't if you're not willing to put 10 years of work into something that you absolutely love if 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 you if you say to somebody you got to work ten years for absolutely nothing, and then you might get a chance ten years down the line, would you do it? And most people are gonna say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's insane what we do. <laughs> it's yeah, so insane. The amount
2: the amount of it. free parties you play, the amount of just oh my god, just doing work for free cause you but but you love it and you'll do it. So. And it's just sad that there are people to take advantage of that but that's the nature of the industry and we're all aware of that so
0: yeah but it doesn't matter like i don't regardless of how bad of an individual you are or like how annoying you are you know like there's plenty of people who i've met in our industry who just like suck i think um (laughs) but but just to be harsh about it that's the reality but you know i i respect anyone who came up and did what we do it doesn't be like it's it's so hard you know I'm st- I'm still I'm still in the thick of it, you know. I'm still trying to make it, and it's so difficult. Um, but I love every second of it, you know. I, Last think, e- yeah.
1: I so, think. So cool. I think coming up, you kind of. For me, is like that's when you come across people that suck. When you're coming mm. up, and then. You
0: probably met some absolute.
1: <laughs> yeah, you do, but realistically, yeah. there's a lot more better people than shit people. That's true. Um, Always. And. I think. That just always shows, because people that become successful, they're only su- successful for a certain amount of time if they're a dickhead, if you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, because word gets around in this industry faster than anything. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you
2: just got to be nice to people.
1: It's not that hard. <laughs> it's much easier than being a dick. And it, it feels is, better, too. It's interesting. Yeah, it does. It feels-,
2: feels way better. Um, Cool. Will, why don't we um jump into some some music, let people have a break from hearing us talk. Um, is there anything you want to showcase for the listeners? Yeah,
1: this is my latest single, um, a track called Run Run, which is from myself and a uh, a trip. They're like a group uh, called Jaded. <laughs> um, and oh, that's sick. it's featuring uh, a, another group called Arco on the vocals. Um, yeah out now
0: that, that contract must have been a nightmare to write out <laughs> it was like
1: i don't think it's even been written
2: <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about this record a little more after we take a listen and here it is guys. Run, run, run. Uh,
1: ooh,
2: ooh. Run, run, run.
1: just for a bit of fun how could i be so wrong i used to look for love Run, run, run Lord knows that I did wrong Moving the game along
2: gonna be on your label will yep it's out now awesome. actually it's out
1: now okay awesome cool it's out when this podcast goes out <laughs> <laughs>
2: like, great uh, really cool man so this is kind of off topic of music a little bit but obviously you're the most well known man for your beard. What what are I just was growing out my beard for about five months. It was really, really long it's so the longest I've ever had it. Um what? How? How is it? Much grooming at your point?
1: Yeah, you, ha- you kind of have to brush it, it's just like having a lot yeah. of hair, which you don't right.
2: have. Um, I don't I'm, have like, any hair. <laughs>
1: he has no
0: idea. And man, I, and I was go- actually born like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm, going, I'm still waiting.
1: I'm going bald as well on top. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's what it is, man. I, I love I love the beard. So,
2: how many years now? I Think six or seven. God, that's crazy. Your, your tan line is probably insane. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been bald since I was t- 21 in college. I um I transferred to a new college and I, I needed to go. I used to get my hair scissor cut. It was very long. And the girl had just got hired. She never really cut hair before. And like they just decided I was the one, the chosen one to get her. And she, she fucked it up so bad. And she just, I'm just like, just buzz it, like whatever. And then later that night, I was in a fraternity. I went back and my friends were like, dude, you're balding. It was like shit. And I was like, you're right. Let's just shave it. And we were, obviously we were wasted partying. So shaved it and it looked pretty good. And I was like, I'm just going to rock with this. And uh, I think the confidence is uh, is definitely, like, you know, when you, when you hang on to it, it just, I, I don't know. I think when it's time, it's time, you know? I'm hanging on to it for dear life. But the thing is, yeah. no no one ever
1: sees it because I'm always wearing a hat. That's true. I'm a very I'm big hat person too. Hat. I've yeah. never seen Will without a hat. No, never. You know, Any of your photos? Oh, no, not a single yeah. photo. Um, so, yeah, I. it's more so for myself to like, and my barber. My barber laughs at me every
2: time. Like, I go and get a cut and he's like, dude, come on
0: come on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm a very big hat person too. The only time I'm not doing is when I'm when I'm wearing headphones. That's that's about it, but Yeah, um, but you rock it, Kai. Yeah. Like, I've never
0: sense. seen you with hair, so I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know, you know. There's no yeah, point a lot of, of people,
2: Yeah, I mean every, everyone I've met since I got into this industry is not not know me with hair, so it's much easier for maintenance, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um also, one other thing, I know you're very big. You mentioned something about um like artistic work and chef, and I know you have your Instagram page. You, you're cooking a lot, right? All right? Yeah. Yeah, I cook a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. What is your favorite What is your favorite thing to cook? Is there anything you prefer cooking over the other, or you just enjoy all of it? No, I just enjoy it. Um I've always done it from like a kid and
1: I like I'm lucky enough to like eat out a lot when I'm traveling and touring and kind of I have a few friends that are very good chefs or like like big chefs and kind of been on big shows and have dope restaurants and kind of they like show me around places when I'm in their cities and it's just like I'm lucky to have that and I just love food Um, so I started the Instagram my my actual normal instagram was just getting taken up with food posts and it kind of just looked <laughs> a bit shit um mm-hmm. so i started the food sh- food which is will makes you hungry um and i'm actually working on some projects for that right now we're, we're gonna probably start like a youtube
2: channel um of me cooking and shit like that so that's sick i'm excited to see that for sure um and then you just mentioned like when you go to the cities and you're playing in the your friends will show you around That's sort of something that makes touring a little bit easier. I would assume something you kind of look forward to on top of, of performing. Is it, is there anything else that you would normally do on tour to kind of keep yourself sane? Because obviously you're not in a duo. And I mean, I know you were touring with MK and stuff, but on those tours or shows you were going out by yourself, is there anything you kind of are doing to make it a little easier on yourself and uh, keep yourself sort of sane?
1: I don't really find it that tough. Um, I, I really like traveling. I love being by myself. Um, I, my, my routine is literally wake up, go to the airport, land, go to the gym, hang out with friends in that city. If I've got friends there, go for dinner and then go to the club. Um, That's so cool. <laughs> <It's
0: amazing. laughs> like what's the, so many people complain about it. Like traveling's awesome. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, but I also know friends that hate, airplanes yeah and they're like uh, genuinely scared of airplanes and um i i i'm so lucky that i like being on a plane i love
0: planes Mm. it's amazing you're flying i know know. it's incredible
1: ridiculous and and my my everyone's like yeah but if it crashes it you're gonna die And i'm like yeah and what cool there's nothing (laughs) i can do about it it's not like i can jump out and fly it's like it's that acceptance that is just powerless um but yeah I, I i don't get me wrong sometimes touring can be a lot um mm. but the, the the traveling i would say is the job part of the the uh the the job really um and it can like the last tour i did which was january to march 2020 it was like open to close so that was a lot like we're going we're literally going in some some cities we're doing eight hours of DJing literally get off the decks sleep for like three hours go straight to the airport and because America's so big like sometimes you're traveling for six hours a day yeah Um, so you got a lot of traveling um, and then come get off the plane try and work out try and get some good food but not eat too much because you've got a six seven hours set to play um and then you got the like the first hour and a half where you get people come in but it's always a bit slow mm-hmm. um and then you're kind of in fully in swing of the night um mm-hmm. and then you just do it over and over again but i, I love it uh, it's, I, I love what i do i'm so lucky to do what i do um and yeah y- i'm definitely going to complain at sometimes. You're not human if you don't. Um, (laughs) But my... At the end of the day, people were paying a lot of money to see me. I find it a lot of money. Like, I wouldn't want to pay that much money to see me. So, (laughs) it's like... It's it's a bit different being from the UK and touring more in America. Like, 20 quid to get in a club is a lot of money in the UK. Mm. Whereas... $50 $50 to get in a club in the U.S. is kind of
2: normal, if you know what I mean. And, and way and way more than that, too, sometimes. Like, you know, I remember, I think it was City Fox at Avant Gardner, uh, like, New Year's. I think almost $200 to get in at the peak hour, at the door. Yeah. And people, people pay it. People pay it. So... There's
1: just more there's just more money in America. People have more expendable cash in America. Um mm. wages are higher, but it costs much more to live there. Um so w- when people are paying a lot of money to see me, I have to put on a good show. And it's kind of it's my my duty to <laughs> to do as much as I can to make everyone happy there.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: I I have a question, right? Let's say you've eaten before your eight-hour set, but you're still hungry during the set. You
1: don't. You don't eat during the set. You I never would eaten? never be hungry during a set. <laughs> okay. No. I feel
0: like I feel like I'll be fucking starving. At I'm some just point. trying
1: to think. Uh, I've, I've I've been
0: hungry at, at like one... ten in the morning. <laughs> I've been like, someone get me bread or something, and and I ate food under like i pretended i was doing drugs
1: like i went below the thing and i started eating bread oh my god yeah. at Sorry. um at some shows like on my rider i've got like chips and hummus so okay it, that's good it's that's kind good. of that's a good ride. kind of um good like pre but then you just stink of garlic which isn't ever, yeah really the best thing but it tastes amazing so i don't really care
2: Well, that's a reasonable request for riders. Some of these riders come in and I I would obviously never list any names, but just like some of this shit, man. I'm like, you need a fucking five pairs of socks for what, man? (laughs) You need an extra pair of underwear. Like for what, man, like
0: whose job is it to go get the stuff?
2: So this is this is where we
1: probably differ because I think there's two views. Like on my rider, I've got like the usual drinks. Chips and hummus, Margot Robbie is on my rider. Uh,
2: has anyone completed that request?
1: The closest thing I played in Albuquerque, and somebody hired a look-alike. Um, <laughs> they hired a lookalike. What's sick. the what's the what's the character that she plays in the superhero? Uh,
0: the Joker's
1: wife, ha- Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody. They, they hired a lookalike, Harley (laughs) Quinn. That's pretty cool. That's Um, hilarious, man. And then what else? I think I got a pair of, pair of tennis socks on there. One pair, not five though. One pair of tennis socks.
2: Um, I have some other stupid things on there. Yeah. But I guess, I guess it's kind of like, I guess it's, it's earned though. You know, you've done your time.
1: No, see, the thing is, is I, I really don't care if people are going to get it or not. But my view, there's there's two things. If a promoter gets it, they I find that they take attention to detail. Mm-hmm. And the attention to detail probably is going to last the, like, it's going to kind of correlate into a really good show.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Or you get like a really new promoter that's like super keen and is just like really nice and and into it Um, Mm -hmm. And that's cool as well. But I think most promoters that kind of been in it for so long. They're literally just like Nope, nope, (laughs) nope, nope
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean we I I do promoting as well on top of being the DJ and like I definitely um, 99% of things on the rider I will complete you know We did book that artist that's what they want take care of them. It's not, it's not really a big deal, but yeah, that's just, I think it's so funny. Some of this shit on there. I'm not
1: like, yeah, I don't agree. Necessarily agree with like 10 bottles of champagne and stuff. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, that money just comes out of your fee realistically in the grand scheme of things, that money is just coming out of your fee. So it's like, well, I'd rather get paid than have, I don't drink. So I'm like, my mates can buy their own drinks.
2: They can. Yeah. I didn't know you were you didn't drink. That's great. Yeah. Was there a time? was there a time where you were you were drinking while you were DJing or never really? Never really.
1: I stopped drinking when I was like twenty one. Um but I never really drank when I DJed anyway. I'm not really into it. I don't really like drinking. So that's why I don't drink. Uh mm-hmm. Yeah, wise. It's terrible
2: while DJing, I think. It slows you down. I've seen a lot of train wrecks.
0: Yeah. Jesus Christ.
2: I've I had my fair share when I was yes yes you have this Kai. as well <laughs> yes. so it's all a learning experience but um yeah, yeah. let's get back into some more of these like music questions here um I I actually so you see remix you two and Rihanna like how did that come about with were those of, official remixes or
1: yeah they were official
2: um yeah
1: it was whilst I was being managed by the same management as MK Mm -hmm. Um, and MK like the opportunities that Mark has to remix on a daily basis is obscene Um, and then some of them just filtered through to me I wouldn't say they necessarily asked for Will Clark Um, but yeah I I got them and they came out and they they did that Um, it's pretty amazing I kind of forget that I've done it really Um, it's crazy man (laughs) <laughs> so that's yeah, like it's cool.
2: really that's like I mean those are just massive massive stars that everyone knows about so to be able to work with artists like that is great. It was it a lot of back and forth where you would send it to them and they'd be like oh let's change this or they just took what they got?
1: Rihanna literally they got what they were given and they, they had it. The U2 one was a bit strange. They sent the stems over. I did the remix. And then I sent it back to them, and they were like, "Oh shit, we sent the wrong stems." So, and then wow. they, then they were like, "But also, we need the remix in like a day or something stupid like that." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, what for fuck's f- sake!" <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, send the stems over, and I do the remix." And that remix—that's why the mixdown of that remix isn't that great. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge. It's alright. I'm not a huge fan of mix down i like the remix but the mix down's a bit shit. um uh-huh. and i just i think i just got my studio up and going in detroit and i just wasn't the rooms i wasn't used to the room and my speakers mm. are too small for, for the room um so yeah the mix down was pretty terrible and like we didn't have time i didn't have time to go get it externally mixed or like live with it and spend time um but it's what it is yeah, at
0: least you got those names under your belt, which is pretty mad. So, do you want to talk? Do you, uh, you want to talk about what happened with your manager, or do you want us to not, not like go over that? Yeah, like
1: it, uh, relationships change. Um, mm-hmm. I I think a management relationship should be a proper relationship, um, as in friendship and business. Um, and I just didn't. There comes a point when you end up where I felt that I was working for them and doing stuff that I just really didn't want to do, and Mm. probably partly my fault um, for not being honest and not being not talking my feelings and not saying no, Um, but hey, it's life, learn a lot, learn a massive amount about myself during that process. Um, I'm not really one to blame anyone. It's just, uh, it's all myself. At the end of the day, I can only blame myself. And I was probably in that management relationship for a year longer than I should have been. However, during that year, I I did achieve some really big things, or I was with them for two years, and I did achieve some really big things. Um... But I think I just grow, you just grow as a person and learn a lot about yourself and learn a lot about what I want in my career. Um, and now I'm with Ryan and I,
2: I don't think I'll ever change. And so I, I had two questions about management. Is there, um, sort of like a, when, when would be the best time you recommend for, for someone to get a manager? Um. And then the other question is, is this something that you would put, like suggest seeking out or sort of coming naturally into place like you were talking about, the artist coming on your label naturally?
1: I think it's 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 whatever works for you. I think what I would say to be, from what I've learned from working with management and working with people is that you have to be honest on what you want to get out of that relationship. It's still a business relationship. And... I think what hap- what a lot of artists do at the mm-hmm. beginning of their career, they're like, oh, a manager's gonna make me famous or a manager's gonna get me mm-hmm. gigs or a manager's gonna get me remixed or a manager's gonna get me signed, et etc." et cetera. It's not, it should be you. When you should do all of that yourself and then a manager will kind of help add to that and kind of build a, a very good manager will take what you want to do and make it happen but realistically you still have to do the groundwork first and before anyone um this industry okay. is more uh, very based ar- it's mostly based around relationships mm-hmm. and i feel the artists that do the but the best are the ones that have the best relationships with people um and I wouldn't say I'm the best at that. I don't ha- I don't know everyone, if you know what I mean. I don't know, like, I don't have great, I don't have really close relationships with lots of people in the industry. I have some very close friends in the industry, but, like, there's a lot of, like, people that base, that purely are successful based on their relationships. And the, the mm. more relationships you can have, the better, really. So do you, like,
0: do you think you're, do you think, your success in your career is mostly down to your music or your connections and relationships
1: i don't think it's anything i think it's both i it's think both, yeah. i think it's not based on it's based on luck most mm. of it is luck yeah um luck and hard work really um the like let's if if we say my first Bigger record it was a track called "Big Booty" that came out on Worthy's label. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> and that got played by a lot of people. Jamie yeah. Jamie Jones kind of broke that record for me. Yeah. Um, did it mean that I would get signed to Hot Creations? No. Does it mean that I talk to Jamie if I see him and and we know each other? Yes. If you know what I mean. Um. Mm-hmm. But that was just luck. Yeah, he got the promo in his inbox. He liked the record.
0: Yeah, well, there's there's a good quote here. Uh, Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. I think, I think that's what that was.
1: Totally. I yeah. I, I think if you work hard enough, eventually you'll get it. Mm, so eventually, sure. someone up there who whatever you believe in, if you believe in anything, somebody would be like, "Fucking go and then have a go." and just like let him in.
0: Mm. He's been hitting, knocking at the door for five years. You exactly.
1: Know? <laughs> and that's exactly it. And I think it's just about patience, which I don't have. Um, but it's, I'm it is that case of just keep going and going and going and it will eventually get there.
0: Yeah. Is that, is that the kind of thing you would say to your younger self? Maybe just keep going. It's all right. Yeah. You got this.
1: I, I don't, I don't think I'd say anything to my younger self because it's done. It's done, yeah. It's just talking about what I do in the future now. Mm, yeah. Um, to, talking to anyone young, I'd probably try, wouldn't, I wouldn't try and give them any advice apart from just put put the effort in. And yeah, no that's one's really gonna mean. give it to you because everyone's careers are different. Everyone's. Mm. For real. All
0: right, well, Kai, you wanna do a... What's that? You got any more questions, Kai?
2: What do you want to do um, why don't we, why don't we check out? Uh, do you want to preview any more music for the listeners?
1: Mm. Um, yeah, I can give you my next EP on um, Needed Pains, which is out in March. Uh, Sick. It's called Feel the Power, and the two tracks Feel the Power and Mondays. Um, I'm just gonna send it to you now.
2: Cool.
0: Bill Clark, feel the Power, huge banger. That's coming out in March. Keep your ears peeled. Can you keep your ears peeled or is it just I No, no. <laughs> keep your eyes peeled for that one. Um, but yeah, so we're coming up on an hour. And uh, so we're going to try and finish up here with our speed dating round. Um, Kai, you want to fire the first one off?
2: Yeah. Um, being that you love food so much, what's your favorite country you've ever eaten in?
1: Japan. Oh,
2: I had a oh, feeling you were gonna say Japan. I feel like you're you're a huge advocate for Asian cuisine. Yeah,
1: I love it. <laughs> Indian's my favorite food, but I've not been to India, so. Mm. Damn.
0: I was supposed to be in Japan in
1: April. Oh fuck. man, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't wait.
0: All right, you have to eat one food of one country. Sorry, you have to eat the food of one country for the rest of your life. Would it, would it be Japan again? No, it'd be
1: Indian. It'd be Indian, yeah. Probably, would you say there's more variety in India? Uh, no, there's so much in Japan, so much. Yeah. I just love Indian food. Yeah, it's delicious. Um, spice? The, heavy spice?
0: You, yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, like, I
1: like spicy. I like the most heavy. Just uh, no, I'm not like that. Destroy me. I, don't, I don't <laughs> want to I, I get a bit of a sweat, but I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> I, I want pain. I, want,
2: I love pain. You're sick. <laughs> um, yeah, what's your uh, favorite festival you've ever played?
1: Mm, that's tough. There's a lot of cool festivals i played. Um, Desert Hearts Festival is really Oh, is it's it. so sick. It's a cool so festival. Cool. Um,
0: American festivals are amazing.
1: They're different. They're very different. Uh, um, Desert Hearts is a very interesting festival, and I love playing there. Crossed was probably my favorite festival set I've ever played. Mm. Um, Dirty Bird Campout is always fun. Really, really, really fun. Um, I've had some great memories playing there as well. I wouldn't say there's any specific one, but my favorite set I've ever played at a festival was at Crossed. Why was it your favorite? I was like second from headlining in, on like the, not the main stage, but the second biggest stage. and Is that the Palms? Of the yeah. Musical? And yeah. it was just fucking mental. Like 20,000 people just raving. Oof. Oh,
2: it wow. it's amazing. Yeah. Um. Is there anywhere you haven't played yet that you're dying to play?
1: Oh like everywhere. <laughs> yeah.
2: Everywhere. Give me your time. if you can't name one, what's three?
1: I really want to play Gas Howder. Mm, um, so crazy, man. I'd love the to, design. I'd love to play Trezor, but I will never get booked there. Like, I'm not no, you'll there. never get
0: booked there. Or no. if you do, they'll pay you like two hundred
1: Euros. Yeah, I, I know I never get booked there. Um no.
0: But you know it is getting commercialized a bit. They probably hate hate if they if they ever hear me say that they will despise me. But they, they've turned up all the lights. You know, there's more and more tourists in there. It's it's changing. The, the first time I went there, I was just smoking a strobe light and I couldn't see in front of my face. um And I stayed there for like ten hours and it was insane. But now it's it's definitely changing. Yeah, it has you know, to. They're charging Thinks, more at the door. It has to. to. to yeah, they've
1: got to make money at the end of the day. Glastonbury Festival as well is is probably the, at the top. Oh, yeah
0: go and talk to the mate you'll live 50 minutes down I know, the road just I know, I should... <laughs> um oh okay, this is a good one what's the worst hospitality experience you've ever had
2: i don't know there's
1: been a lot what in <laughs> uh, what do you mean like as in in a restaurant or in a club or what
2: no i i guess like in terms of like yeah in a, in a club there's been a lot of bad ones um
0: Maybe you don't want to name
1: names. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but there's been a lot of bad ones.
2: Um, what's your guilty pleasure
1: music? See, I don't agree with calling it guilty pleasure.
2: Um, I don't know what it is though, because I don't. Yeah, you're pretty open. I'm realizing after talking to you, you're extremely open-minded on on anything music, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, I just don't. I love, like, Motown and Soul, but that's fucking cool. That's brilliant. That's That's sick, yeah. yeah. Um, It's just amazing um, music. (laughs) I guess, like, Meatloaf is, like... Okay, yeah. I guess people would class that as a guilty pleasure, but that just brings back such good family memories. Um, Mm -hmm. Dire Straits, like... That's not, that's not a guilty pleasure.
2: Yeah, just... I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should have reworded the question to uh, music that people wouldn't traditionally think you're listening to. That's probably a better way to, to say I think
0: it. pretty much all of it, mate. I'll just say <laughs> <a> bit, like... <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, and I guess the last one here is who is the funniest person in this industry that you've ever interacted with? There's some crazy assholes in this industry.
1: <laughs> who is the funniest? To be fair, the Jaded boys are fucking hilarious together. Oh, it doesn't surprise me. They look so funny. They're proper <laughs> fun. Um, Teo from Jaded is just on another level of, of fun. Um, Their tracks are fun. Option four, he's he's good fun. Fish is obviously a blast to be around. He's a bit of a yeah. loose cannon. Um <laughs> I can't. Re- I can't think off the top of my head.
0: Yeah, we should have given you time to prepare for that. That's a tough one. It is. Well, Wait. you go. Am <laughs> I wrapping? Am Yeah, I'm. I'm the. I'm the intro and wrapping up guy. Always. I don't know why. But yeah, Will. Uh, thanks so much for for being on here, mate. That was that was lovely. Um, thanks for all your insight, the the fun, the interesting stories. Uh, good luck with everything, mate and uh hopefully we can we can get back to clubbing soon so kai can book you in new york and we can all fucking party
1: (laughs) absolutely (laughs) nice love to have you here thanks for having me really appreciate it absolutely thanks will take care guys